morning. It is a beautiful uh, day, and I am so thankful um, that you came to worship the Lord with us this morning. We are continuing our study in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, and uh, it is such a good study to, to take a look at um, with, the, with the thought in mind that every human being um, has a life experience where you sit down and you just ask yourself, what in the world is all of this about? Is, is, this, truly, um, is this truly important? Is there any meaning in all of this? Uh, and, and we have a wise man who lived a long time ago uh, come to the table and say, let me, let me tell you some things that I've learned. And one of the beautiful things that we, we recognize is that these aren't just the words of King Solomon. We recognize that the word of God um, is inspired, that this isn't just some writings of a human being, but this is truly the, the God-breathed words. Um, and when you look back at church history and you look at the Protestant Reformation, one of the beautiful things that came out of it um, was the return of preaching the word. Uh, and, and that is such a good thing to recognize. Uh, men have lots of opinions, and we can have lots of advice to be heard or taken. Um, and we don't just look at King Solomon's uh, words here as good advice that we can take or leave, but we recognize every bit of Scripture as God's inspired word, which means it has authority over our lives, and that there's something for us to grasp here. And it doesn't just apply to a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago; it has application for today as well. And so, when we started this series, we started to look at the very first uh, chapter uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, and what we laid was a foundation for vanity and hope. We talked about how vanity is produced, right? Vanity is misplaced hope. It's when we're hoping in the wrong things, trying to look for ultimate value, ultimate meaning in the wrong things. And we took a look at hope. Hope is the stuff that saviors are made of. Uh, when you're looking for a savior, you're looking to be freed from something. You're looking for uh, some sort of end of suffering. And so what we're seeing as we go through this study is that rightly placed hope, um, that that's good. That's what we're supposed to be striving for. But there's temptation all along the way to produce vanity, to produce worthlessness, which is putting our hope in the wrong thing. And so today, we're actually going to take a look um, at the chapter, at chapter 3 of the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your scripture, go ahead and turn there. Um, and the, there's some beautiful things that we're going we're gonna to get out of this. We're going to make three stops this morning. The first is we're going to take a look at the seasons. There's a season for everything. So we're going to take a look there, then we're going to look at enjoying doing good, and then we're also going to take a look at diligence into dust. Uh, and we'll unpack these three stops as we get going, but the major doctrine that I want to defend this morning is with eternity in our hearts, walk with diligence today. So God has put eternity in our heart, but that doesn't mean that we only focus there. We have to remain diligent even today as we have been put here for this time and for this purpose. Uh, and so as we get going this morning, if you will stand with me and we'll begin uh, to read our scripture passage here. We'll be in chapter 3 of the book of Ecclesiastes. Scripture says this, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, 
a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. God has done it, so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may be, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For whatever happens to the children of man, and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes downward into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for that is his lot. Who can bring him to see what will be after him? This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You may be seated. So we're going to take a look here at basically three sections, and you'll see in your scripture that they're kind of broken off uh, into these three sections, and we're going to follow that main theme. Um, and, and the first one is just taking a look at the seasons. Uh, that there, you see in your heading, this is a time for everything, and that is something important that we have to look at, that there is a time for everything, and so we've got to see the seasons. Um, and the first thing I want to put up on the screen and, and have you recognize is God has given us seasons as opportunities to do. If you take a look at each of these different seasons that's listed here, um, you see that there's basically 28 of them. If you were to count them up, um, they're, they're in sets that are basically opposites to one another. They're contrasts, right? So a time to be born, a time to die, plant, pluck, kill, heal, break, build, weep, laugh, mourn, dance, cast, gather, embrace, reframe, seek, lose, keep, cast, tear, sow, silence, speak, Love, hate, war, peace. That's what they, you got all of those, right? He's like, I'm going to cover all of it. Here you go. Here's, here's where they all are. But if you look at all of those, all 28 of those, only two of them are actually passive. The rest of them are active. They're actionable. They're things that we can do. Um, and so those are action seasons. The only two that are really passive seasons are, are, are which ones? Time to be born and a time to die. You know, you, you had no part in your birth, you weren't there. I, I talk to people all the time about this. It's kind of funny. Sometimes people will say, you know, I'm in control of everything. I'm a self-made man. I'm a whatever, whatever, whatever. I actually had this conversation with a coworker earlier this week when I was in California. And um, I'll share a little bit more with that in just a second. But one of the things we were talking about is, is, is how we get it wrong sometimes when we think that we are in control. We are not in control. And one of the things I said was, I said, do you remember that sandwich list you filled out before you were created? It's a joke, right? Like, no, no one got a sandwich list and said, here's where I'd, want, I'd like to be born. Here's the time in which I'd like to be born. Here's the parents I'd like to be born to. I'd like to be a male or, or female. I'd like to have this intellect. I'd like to look like this. None of us got to fill out that sandwich list. 
You were born, and one day you came, and you're like, wow, okay, uh, uh, here's where I am. And then there will be a day where you will die. And I'm going to promise you, on that day, you will not be able to add another hour to your life. When it's your time to die, you are going to die. No matter what. So those are the two passives. The rest of them, the, the other 26, if you will, are active. They're things that are seasons for doing. Planting, plucking, killing, healing, breaking, building, weep, laughed. It goes down through the list. And I kind of chuckled this morning as I was, as I was re, um, you know, going through this uh, and looking at this text again this, this morning, preparing. And, and, and I kind of giggled a little bit at, at verse 4. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Must not be Baptist, right? So I don't know about you or whether or not that's your season, but that's probably not many of us are like, it's a, it's a season to dance. Um, but it, I kind of chuckled when I was looking at this this morning because um, I want you to think about that. Uh, you know, what is the season you're in? What season of life are you in today? Um, and I think that these are the big general concepts, but there's some specific ways in which these can start to, to, to take on and manifest themselves. Um, Every one of us can recognize the different phases in our lives. And as you're a child, there's a season. There's a, there's a time to be a child. And there's a time to be okay being a child. And what's kind of sad is we start to rush some of these processes. And we, we rush these seasons and we miss things. Um, one is to, to not really go here, but to, to, to lose um, a little bit of that innocence, right? That's a, one way in which you can rush that season. But there's also a sense in which there's pressure added so early in our lives. You know, I, we, I joke with my kids, but there's a little bit of truth to it. I ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I kind of shouldn't do that. I, I kind of need to think about, like, hang on, just let them, let them be right now. Uh, but, but there's this sense in which there's a season for everything, and if we're not careful, we will be pushing towards that next season and not enjoying the season we're in, not recognizing the season for what it is, and to be okay just being here. I don't know about you, but I can look back in many different seasons in my life and being frustrated because I wasn't in the next season yet. But then when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, thank you. You were doing so much to prepare me for that next season. And I, I see even today in this season that I'm in, I, I, I think like, man, I can't wait to that next season. I, I'm, I'm a little bit weird, and if you know me, you already know that. But I really, I feel like an old person. I'm an old person stuck in a young person's body. Now, save for motocross. I know that's kind of an anomaly. But my, like, a perfect thing for me would just to be hung, hanging out in some really nice soft chair by a lamp and reading my books and just being old. Like, I am looking forward to that. I may be missing something, but I feel like the pressure is kind of off when you're, like, over 70. I don't know. I, I'm just, you know, it's just, it's just conjecture. But, but there's, there's, there's a little bit of a, like, you know what? I've, I've done my thing. I've, I've, you know, built my whatever, and I'm just going to read my way out of here. That, to me, is, like, perfect. So in this season, I'm struggling to get to that season, um, and then I got to recognize, man, there's work to do now I, I, and enjoying this season for what it is. But what season of life are you in today? Are you in that building season? Because there's a good time to do that. And it's very foolish for us to miss that. It is very foolish for us to wake up and we're 40 years old and we've just had so much fun 
but we've never actually built anything. And I'm going to tell you what, this is, the day is coming um, when what you, when the time you should have been building and you didn't build, there will be a time where you won't have that time to build. You won't have that energy. You won't have that ability to do that. Um, you think about you know, when you're young, you have the energy, you have the strength. But you remember, have you ever been sick, really, really sick, where you just couldn't do anything? I've, I'm so frustrated in those times because I'm such an independent person. Um, I, I want to, I can do it. Uh, and then there's times where it's just been, I'm so sick and like, I just can't get up. I can't move. And during those times, I think one day this won't be just for a little bit. One day this will be reality for as long as I, until I die. Like there will be a time when it's like, just to get up and make a few steps will be it. I watched my grandfather, um, who in my life has been a great hero, uh, a strong, strong guy, super smart guy. I mean, just like everything that I just looked up to. Um, and now he's at that point in his life where, I mean, it struggles to get up and sit up in his bed and he doesn't leave the house. That's his, that's his season he's in. And I look, I'm like, one day I will be in that season. But the thing to do is to prepare for that season so you can't miss it. That there's a time to build, there's a time to invest, there's a time to work, there's a time to store, there's a time to save. Because there is a day coming when, so to speak, the, the sun goes down on that season. And what have you done, right? So there's this idea. But when we look at the season in our life, um, I believe that we must see the season so that we might properly respond to it. But also, um, there's a beauty in, in recognizing the season of life that our friends and family are in as well, because we can come alongside them and support them in those seasons, right? You can see that. You see how that works. Um, you see, as, as a parent, you see what season your children are in, and you're trying to support them in that season. Well, your parents see the season of life that you're in and raising kids, and they can support you in that. Well, then the other way as well, when you see your aging family or so on and so forth, you're able to support, and it's just this beautiful thing in recognizing what season of life are you in. And, and respond to that appropriately, because it, there's a beauty in seeing this clearly, um, and having contentment in that season and enjoying it for what it's worth um, because there will be a time when that season will go away. And, and we see it, there's a natural cycle of life, but there's a natural cycle just in the world as we know it. Right, we're in, we're in, we're in spring, about to be in summer. What's coming? Winter. Right? It doesn't seem like that long ago that we were like minimal, you know, we were freezing to death and the ice was everywhere. And you can't even imagine that right now. But it's coming. But these cycles come. And then it's all this rain. And then we're like, oh, it's too much rain. And then before you know it, it'll be July and everything will be scorched and we'll be praying for rain. But you just see these natural cycles in life. But it's no different in our own human existence that these, there's, there's a season for everything, and part of what we have to do is recognize the season and embrace it and, and, and see what God has for us during that time. And so if you're in the season of, of working, we're going to talk a little bit about that um, and enjoy doing good because many of us, I think, are still in that season, and sometimes it's hard to be in that season and to see what in the world good can come from this Sometimes we're just like, ah, this is a necessary evil. I've got to get through this, but God save me from it, please. 
But there's a, there's a beautiful side that I want to unpack this morning um, that, that, that is very much um, plain in Scripture. So verse 9, he says, What gain has the worker from his toil? And then he goes on, I have seen the busyness that God has given the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. And so there's this beauty here. And looking at this, he's already said some of these things already. If you went back to verse, uh, or chapter 2, verse 24, he says, eat, drink, and find enjoyment in toil. And now he's saying it again, doesn't he? He says, he says, eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil, for this is God's gift to man. Sometimes we get messed up on this when we start to look uh, as, as if there is, there is no other work yet ministry. And I think this is, a, this is a very sad state of Christian thought, that we think um, we send our kids off to, to camp, to summer camp. We're about to do that right now, right? I always say things that I'm thinking, man, I'm probably going to get fired for saying this, but here I am. <laughs> we'll send our kids off to camp, and what do we do? We pressure them into many different things, but one of them is we're like vocational ministry, vocational ministry, as if that's the only option. And you who are called to vocational ministry are somehow at this higher status, and it's like, yes. There's a rightness to revering. Yes, there's a rightness to honoring those who God has set apart for that ministry. But in no world and in no way should we say that, that those who are doing common jobs are somehow less. It is not true. You know what we need more of? We need more engineers who are godly people going into the workforce. We need more Christian lawyers, godly lawyers, doctors, judges. You've got to be kidding me if you think that the only way that you can serve God is to go into vocational ministry. Absolutely insane to me. But I want to stick to this. He says, take pleasure in all the toil. This is God's gift to men. Do you realize that that work that God has given us is something that we're to take pleasure in? There's a beauty in that. There's a goodness in that. Man, we have to look at this. We can't miss this. He says, we, I want to put this on the screen. We're to enjoy the good in life found in each season. And some good comes from the fruit of our labor. You know, what we have to recognize is that we don't find ultimate good or ultimate satisfaction in our labor. Um, that, is, that is the risk. That is the risk that we've got to watch out for. We start to say, okay, this is my job, and my worth and my value is defined by my job. And somehow now I'm going to get ultimate meaning or ultimate value out of my work. That is what, that's what Solomon's been saying all along. Like, don't do that. Like, that's like a bad way uh, to, to live. That's how you get vanity. Vanity is produced in misplaced hope. If we are hoping in our job to fulfill us perfectly, to give us meaning perfectly, if we're hoping in our spouse to give us meaning and hope uh, and value, we're in trouble. If we look to our nation to give us ultimate meaning and hope and value, we're in trouble. But that doesn't mean that we hyper-swing to the other side and say that, that, that um, there is nothing to be enjoyed in this. There's nothing that we should really work towards or enjoy. Because that would be uh, counter to what, what he's saying here, right here. Verse 13, everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to 
man. And so we've got to look at this, this beautiful idea of God giving us work. And for many of us, this is the season of life that we're in. Now, I think that that season can change a little because I think um, the true Christian life, you never really retire. There'll be some other different type of work you'll, you'll carry out the rest of your life. I believe that. Um, I believe it would be a waste of life if, you, if we all just went and, and went on a big yacht and on vacation for the rest of our lives after uh, we retire when we're, say, 60 years old. That would be a waste of your life, right? Um, John Piper's got some good stuff on that. Don't waste your life. Uh, I'm not going to get into that right now. But I think that work can change shapes. But for most of us, we're in that we've got to make a living phase. And sometimes that i got to make a living phase is hard. And we look at it and we think, man, this is tough. Right? I mean, I, mean, I, can, I, can, I can just, I'm still in, I'm still in the workforce I'm bivocational. Um, sometimes I'm on an airplane and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go where I'm going. I don't want to be stuck out here for this week. I don't want to have to go fight these people to get them to see that this is right and this is what we should do. Just do it. <laughs> but that's, that's the life we live is that through the sweat of our brow, we earn our living. That's part of the curse, but there's goodness still even in that. And you know what's beautiful is God has given us the ability to do work and to be creative. And in that season, we can build things. We can make the world a better place. It should go beyond us. I was talking with a coworker this week while I was down in San Diego. And these companies, we, we have a lot of different companies. We have um, 128 companies around the world. And, and one of the cool things that we get to watch is when we, we start a new plant, so like we've started one in Dillon, South Carolina, like there's nothing going on out there. Um, but then you bring a source of life because now all these people have a way to make a living. Yeah, you're building airplane parts. Maybe that's not going to change the world. But for some people, that is a way to actually go and make a living. Now you can feed your family. You know what? The providence of God is in all of that. The providence of God is not only seen in those who are chosen and set aside as those to be the ones who would preach the gospel, to preach the scripture. Yes, that's beautiful, but there's also the providence of God seen in every common work that can be done. And you must see that, that this is beautiful in a way in which God can use you. And do you know what? Unfortunately, there is this trend that if you look at this axis, your y-axis, and you say this is, this is the number of non-Christian friends I have, and this axis is the longer I be, I'm a Christian, that there is a downward trend, that you'll have fewer and fewer non-Christian friends the longer you are a Christian. Now, is there wisdom in disassociating and breaking off for some friendships? Mm-hmm, absolutely. But you know what? If we are complete separatist, that is not good either. Who are you preaching the gospel to? Who, who are you being a light in the world to? This, just this week, I was blessed with the opportunity to share the gospel with a coworker, and, and, and it was a crazy experience, but I mean, we went through the depths of philosophy, theology, science. You just, you just name it, we talked about it. But I sat there and I looked at him, and I'm like, like man, I was like, this is, this is good. And uh, he had all these different ideas about what a Christian is, and he's seen a lot of hypocrites in his life. And, and, um, and, and he was like, I've never talked to anyone who could answer some of these questions. And I'm like, man, 
I'm going to tell you, I said, God provides in the way he needs to, in order to share the gospel with people. And I said, I believe God has put me in your life. Um, and I said, I don't say this to, to, to sound weird or whatever, saying, but I've spent a significant part of my life learning and training on how to defend the Christian faith and to answer people's objections. I was like, so you're sitting in front of someone who's, this is their life. And um, he's like, I've never, never been able to have these conversations before. He goes, usually people get so mad at me or they'll say crazy stuff. And I'm like, that can't be right. I said, man, I don't have all the answers. But here's some of the things that I've thought of. And one of the things that you have to look at is do you want Christianity to be true? Because we're most likely to believe the things we wish to be true. And if you don't want Christianity to be true, there will never be enough evidence. If you want Christianity to be true, that's a different story. But what do you do with hope, value, meaning, justice, purpose? But you know what? The workplace provides us the opportunity to have those types of conversations. So I want to encourage you, in your job right now, that can be a season that God has given you, not just for you to earn a living. Yeah, that's a beautiful way the providence of God can be seen as he provides. But also it can be an opportunity for you to share the gospel with people. Real people who will never come here. My friend will never show up here to hear me preach. But you know what? We work together all the time. And you have that opportunity too. So don't lose that. Don't miss that. But you know one of the other beautiful things that we see um, is, as, as the scripture says is that God has given us this gift and we're to take pleasure in this. Um, and, 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 and there's the other idea is that we can actually pray for our work. We should pray about our work. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but I've spent many days driving into work or being on an airplane and praying, God, help me. Give me favor. Give me clarity. Give me wisdom. And he's answered it. For years, I would keep a prayer log. I haven't kept up the practice lately, but I need to. And on my way to work, I would say, God, here's the things that are on my heart. And I would list them. At the end of the day, I would review it. And I can't tell you how many times I would literally go back and say, you literally answered every one of these. And it was so encouraging to look at it, going in and saying, I know this meeting is a big money project. If it goes wrong, we're all in trouble. I don't have the answer. I don't know how to solve this. And literally laying that out, or there's tension. This person doesn't like me, and they're going to fight me all the way. I'm tired. God, I'm tired. Help me. You get there, and they're like, your best friend. You're like, what in the world happened? But I can remember looking back at those prayer logs and thinking, God, you came through. So I want to encourage you to pray about your work. Pray that God would give you favor. God would give you opportunities to share the gospel. Because you know what? God wants good, godly people in positions of influence. And our work is places that we can have influence. And it's a gift from God. But also, take take a look at it and make sure that we're not putting too much of our value into it. I love this quote by Spurgeon. He says, what great works men have performed and yet how little has been the length of their endurance. The idea is that while we work, while we build, have in mind that there will be a time to tear down, right? There will be a time that the stuff that we build won't mean anything anymore. And in that, we have to recognize that while we see that there is a beauty 
in our work, what we've got to do is we've got to find enjoyment rather than meaning in our work. Because if you find meaning in your work, what you're doing is you're attaching your value and your purpose and your meaning to something that will not endure for all eternity. And the minute that that work does not endure, whatever it is you build, whenever that goes away, if all of your meaning and worth is tied to that, what happens? You, you therefore, by proxy, are devalued. So we're to find our value and our ultimate meaning and worth in God, our creator, who has made us intrinsically valuable because we are made in his image, but he's given us a gift of work, and we should enjoy that, and we should find enjoyment rather than our meaning in our work. I'll tell you, that's hard. Because it's hard to take that step back and say, this is something I'm doing, and I want to do my absolute best. But at the end of the day, it does not define my worth. Like to literally say that to yourself. I want to do the absolute best I can, but at the end of the day, this does not define my worth. And it's freeing when you can step back from that. For the rest of our time, I want to take a look at this idea of diligence unto dust, which is basically taking a look at verse 22, uh, 20 through 22, um, but we'll actually start back up a little bit earlier, 16. Moreover, I saw under the sun, in the place of justice, even there was wickedness, and in a place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man and what happens to the beast is the same. As one dies, so the other. They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beast, but for all is vanity. All go to one place, all from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows whether the spirit of man goes upward and the spirit of the beast goes downward to the earth. Now, this is an interesting idea, right? Uh, that he's basically painting this picture that from dust to dust, that's kind of our dash. We're, the theme of this series is that dash. The dash is the between, between the date of your birth and the date of your death. That dash, that's the life you live from dust to dust. How are we writing our story? And he says that, that there is no difference that man and beast breathe the same breath, and the end is the same for all of them. All go to one place, all from dust, and all to dust return. And he says, who knows where the spirit of man goes upward, and the spirit of the beast goes downward into the earth. Um, you know, kind of, it's kind of fun to think about, will all my pets be in heaven? I don't know. Um, you know, some will say they hope that the cats don't survive death, uh, but I, I'm a fan either way. Uh, but it's interesting when you start to look at this, and not to go too deep into philosophy here, um, but there, there, is, there is a beauty in God's creation that we are meant for more than just this life. We are more than carbon and chemicals. We are more than just matter. There is a spiritual side of us, and that part of us is, is built for eternity, but the material part of us is wearing out and will die. And in that, we are going from dust to dust, and so what we have to recognize, I believe, is that from dust to dust, we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent in the work that God has given us. Because this is the beauty of, of what God has laid out for us. As he says, here is your life. I've placed you here. You didn't choose to be born here, but I chose to appoint you for this time for work that I have prepared for you in advance. And if we are not faithful in doing that work, we're not being diligent to what God has actually created us for. So from dust to dust, think of this, diligence unto dust. Every day you wake up and you say, okay, Lord, 
You chose to let me live another day. I am nothing but dust, and I'm headed to dust in one way. Now, I'm not saying that, that you don't have an immaterial soul that survives death. Obviously, we believe that. But from dust to dust, from birth to death, there is a work that God has prepared for you. And we should be diligent in that work. And a couple of things I want to list um, that we should think of in this work of diligence. Soul winning, building up the church, and testifying to the truth. Some of the work that we should be diligent in is soul winning, building up the church, and testifying to the truth. You know that that's why we're here. Those are, those are some very important reasons for why we're here. If it was all just about getting saved, then when you got saved, why not just take you out? Why, not, why doesn't God just say, done, mission accomplished, kill him? Because there's more to be done. We are to be light in a dark world, and that means that we are to be about the work of soul winning, which also plays into the second one, building up of the church. That doesn't mean building up of giant buildings and big treasuries. Building up of the church, the church is the assembly. The church is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. How do you build up the church? By soul winning. Preaching the gospel to so those who are in spiritual death and who are not members of the church shall become awakened through regeneration through the work of the power of the Holy Spirit that comes through our preaching of the gospel and the word that they would be added to the true church. So soul winning, building up the church in three, testifying to the truth. You know that that's part of why we're here on this earth. Just like when I was having the conversations with my friend, my coworker, do you know a lot of the things that he was saying were not true? Like not even true about what Christianity is. And one of the things he said, he goes, man, you got me thinking. He's like, I don't, I don't know. He goes, why not God? Yeah, I'm with you. But what do I do with the feeling of being forsaken? And I said, man, let me read your mail a little bit to you. I think you put a lot of value in your performance. And you can look at your own life and you can see ways in which you have failed. And you feel like now that has devalued you. But the whole gospel is this, that Christ came to save sinners. Literally, that's what the scripture says, doesn't it? And he, he's like, he'd never heard that before. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's known so many Christians, and so many Christians, he says, in his experience, was they just bash him and tell him how terrible he is and how great they are. I said, man, let me tell you, as one screwed up person to another, that is not where we are coming from. True Christianity is this, that I have been saved by grace. That God, according to his great mercy, saw it fit that I would be born again through the work of Jesus Christ. And in his righteousness, I hope, not my own. And so I appeal to you to trust in Christ. Because he loves you and he has mercy on you, even though he knows exactly how bad you are. He started to tear up a little bit. I don't want to get too much in the story, but it... That is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to testify to the truth. Testify to the truth. If we won't, who will? That's the job that God has given us. And there's great joy in that. I'm going to tell you, there's great joy in that work. So as we close today, I want to ask you to stand and... Um, close out our sermon this morning with a time of reflection and time of prayer. Um, and so what we've basically built is this idea is that 
God has placed eternity in our hearts. But if we only focus on eternity, we're missing it because there's a part of it. The part of the truth is that God has built us for work here. And there's goodness in our work, whether that's vocational ministry or that's your common secular job. Find, find joy in that. Ask God to show you how he can use you exactly where he's got you this morning. Father, I thank you so much for the work that you've given each and every one of us. Even as we literally build things with our hands, we build things with our minds, we invent things, we create things, we teach people, we heal people, we provide for people. The work that you've given us, Father, I pray that you help us to recognize that that is an extension of your providence. That while some are set aside for the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the word, every one of us still has work to do. So, Father, for those who are in a secular job right now, I pray that, that you show them that there is good in that endeavor. And I pray, Father, that you help them combat the temptation to find purpose and meaning in their work. I pray, Father, that you can help us to recognize that we should find joy in our work because this is good and it's a gift from you. And at the same time, Father, I pray that you help us to recognize that we are built for eternity, that there is a place that we are headed, there's a destiny for us, that all the work that we do here will pass away, every bit of it will fade away, and all that will be remaining is our knowledge of you, whether or not we are found in Christ. So, Father, I pray for the people in this room, for those who may be trying to find salvation and hope in their work, those who are trying to find salvation and meaning in their performance. Father, I pray that they can realize and recognize the gospel message is this, that through the work of Jesus Christ, we get the verdict before the performance. And the verdict is this, we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. We trust in your scriptures. We trust in the work of Jesus. And from that, we gratefully walk in good works, not unto our salvation, but from our salvation. So, Father, as we pray this morning, as we meditate on the season of life that you have us in right now, I pray that we will recognize it for what it is, that we will make the most of it for the time is short and the days are evil. We are thankful, Father, for this beautiful Sunday morning. You're so good to us. And when our hearts begin to freeze, I pray you continue to melt them over and over to find the joy in keeping your commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. And we find fulfillment in that. So Father, please meet with us this morning as we reflect. In Jesus' name. So I invite you to pray, to ask God to show you the season clearly that you're in right now. And for those of you who work, ask God during this time to show you the ways in which you can be a person who testifies to the truth and enjoy the work that he's given you. And we'll be around. And if you have any other questions about what it means to know God,
I want to hang out with you afterwards. So let's continue to worship.